Is Top Gun Maverick about Tom Cruise? Well, kinda, yeah. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. friends welcome to scott's self-indulgent movie podcast i am scott and today uh, i'm doing uh what i said i would i'm going to be analyzing top gun maverick from a different angle and in this case it would be the kind of the meta narrative and by that i mean just kind of um it's like an actor commenting on their own um, agency or career within their work so it's kind of a knowing glance so for instance if you have uh you know an actor who is pl- you know somebody who's playing like a Airplane has a good example of this. So if like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, some kids some comes up and starts giving critiques to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the fact that despite the fact that he is a pilot supposedly, so that that kind of thing. Um, but if you look at careers, there's interesting ways to vibe with that. So you can kind of get an idea as to what they're trying to say or tell audiences with their movie choices. So you can see there are stages like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the late 80s and early 90s was like hey i can do comedy i can be in family movies i can have more marketable mass appeal and that's how you get terminator 2 so uh yeah so this was my gonna be my version and analysis of that of tom cruise specifically about this movie so without further ado let's get started 2022 was a giant year for Tom Cruise. While plenty of other actors put a ton of work into their personas and released two to three films a year, Tom Cruise sat in on his legacy sequel for basically the entire pandemic, and it paid off in a big way. Like the biggest box office haul of Cruise's very successful filmography big. And because he only puts out a, a movie every now and then, audience have had just enough time to get hyped for his final two Mission Impossible outings. That said, not every big movie feels like the success of one actor or person. Hell, even the original Top Gun was amplified by a charming supporting cast, including Val Kilmer and Tony Scott's in-your-face direction. But Top Gun Maverick, even beyond the title and starring role, feels like Tom Cruise's movie. And why is that? And how does this movie fit into Cruise's filmography and career? Well, I'd argue that an easy way to look at Top Gun Maverick is a movie about, as a movie about Tom Cruise. So let's start with Cruise's career. It's pretty easy to d- divvy up Tom Cruise's career into digestible periods or chunks. His breakout in the mid to late 80s was his young hotshot period, where he made movies about being or acting awesome and doing things that young people always wish they could do. This is how he get we get his breakout in Risky Business, where a dorky teenager gets to run a brothel for a night and hook up with a high-class call, call girl. The original Top Gun, and even the boyish warrior who fights the literal devil in Legend. And after, we, after that, we have the I'm a Real Actor period, where Cruz picked up one challenging role after another in Oscar competitors like A Few Good Men, Rain Man, and Born on the Fourth of July. He even got an Oscar nomination for Magnolia in 1999. In the mid to late 90s and even the two early 2000s were the can't-miss period for Cruise, where he shifted between action movies with high-profile directors, see Minority Report and Collateral, with movies that perhaps audiences didn't like but were still did well because Cruise was attached, see Eyes Wide Shut and Vanilla Sky. But since around 2005, Cruise has spent most of his time on screen 
trying to prove that he's the most dedicated action star on the planet. It could be easy to chalk this up to his very odd couch-jumping behavior during his relationship with Katie Holmes or his defense of Scientology, but the shift in Cruz's projects between MI3, his third Mission Impossible movie, and even Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol is noteworthy. Take a, lo- take a, a look at the setup for Mission Impossible 3. In it, Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt is enjoying a life of semi-retirement as an IMF trainer versus an agent, and he only re-enters the fray after his protege is kidnapped and killed. Versus Ghost Protocol, or every other Mission Impossible movie since then, where Ethan Hunt is the one man for the job who will do whatever is necessary to get the job done on his terms. Hunt is described in these movies as an unstoppable force of nature who will do whatever he has to to save lives regardless of personal cost. And he continues to try and prove that to audiences by performing increasingly more ludicrous stunts. So Top Gun Maverick slides right into this meta-narrative. Tom Cruise is still relevant, out here doing crazy stuff for your entertainment, and still has plenty to offer a new round of upstarts, be they movie stars or new franchises. Hence why Cruz and the other actors are in actual cockpits taking on intense G-Force. Look how much Cruz can still do, the movie argues. He doesn't need to be a director or a producer who watches from the wings. He's still the best of the business, and he needs to be out there in the cockpit. But Maverick is also a legacy sequel. So you'd assume that this movie would be about Maverick or Tom Cruise rekindling his love for flying or something comparable, right? Like finding joy for it. Well, that's another reason this movie is so weird. It's a very strange legacy sequel. Now, a legacy sequel is a loose term movie writers use to describe delayed sequels that bring back old characters who are now dealing with some portion of their legacy, including getting older or something else that comes with getting older. Oftentimes, the older character is asked to mentor a new group of people in their chosen profession and way of life. This also means the older character re-engages or re-enters a phase of their personality and life that they had left behind years ago. There are also movies that can't help but be meta-commentaries on the actor portraying the returning character or the franchise itself. See how The Matrix Resurrections was a commentary on the fool's errand of attempting to recapture the magic of the original Matrix film for profit, or how Mad Max and Fury Road goes from near feral to more civilized once he's fighting for a noble cause again. At a very basic level, Top Gun Maverick fits the bill. Maverick is going back to Top Gun for a combination final mission, both in terms of flying and imparting his skills onto the next generation of pilots, including the young man whom he feels responsible for, Rooster. What's really interesting and fun is that Tom Cruise himself made a legacy sequel right after the original Top Gun with Paul Newman, reprising his role as the pool hustler Fast Eddie, who takes Tom Cruise under his wing in The Color of Money, directed by Martin Scorsese. You'll notice that the majority of these movies highlight how our returning character still has something to offer or a final lesson to learn. So it's not weird for Tom Cruise to return as Maverick for a legacy sequel to Top Gun. What is weird is how the movies don't really have critiques of Maverick. I'll use Maverick's first flying mission to explain what I mean. The first big action scene in the movie is Maverick trying to fly a new kind of fighter jet and get it to Mach 10. It's portrayed as a risk that Maverick is taking, along with any kind of punishment that might come his way, to save the testing program. So, Maverick deciding to fly the plane isn't a problem. However, Maverick's man on the ground emphasizes that he doesn't need to push the plane any further than 10 Gs. Not 10.1, not 10.2, he says. The point here is that that 
would be an unnecessary risk. Almost on cue, Maverick's Maverick's pace after peace after achieving 10 G's is interrupted when he decides to push harder and gets up to 10.3 G's and then crashes the plane. Though notably, we don't see the crash and Maverick appears in the desert, no worse for wear. This is what gets him sent to Top Gun. Based on that, you'd assume that Maverick needs to learn to take calculated risks, especially if these young pilots are going to come home alive. So while Maverick's superiors are too risk averse and try to make things easier for the young pilots to build their confidence, Maverick here is here to show them what can and needs to be done in the heat of combat, often by doing them it themselves. They are less limited than they think they are. Not a bad idea. Demonstrate that the recklessness that Maverick's superiors hate has a purpose and pass that lesson on to the newbies, but don't forget to keep things within reason. And then the movie ejects the idea of within reason out of the cockpit. So what's the lesson from the final mission? The big mission in Top Gun Maverick is where all of the lessons that all the characters have learned should coalesce. Whatever ideas or struggles our characters have been grappling with are faced head-on to reinforce the film's main ideas. In The Avengers, the message that teamwork makes the dream work is the emotional and thematic backbone that makes the Battle of New York feel like a giant party. But it's here that Maverick abandons the notion of calculated risks and instead presents a new idea. Trust your instincts, don't think, just act. It starts with the selection of Rooster as a member of the bombing run. It's pretty clear that Maverick has mixed emotions when it comes to Rooster, in that he really wants to protect him, but also recognizes his natural abilities and that he has the capacity to match Maverick someday. Hence why Rooster is the only one who has a chance of tagging Maverick in the early training skirmishes, but can't bring himself to pull the trigger when he needs to. So, true to his own advice to the other pilots, Maverick goes with his gut and selects Rooster for the mission. The selection pays off, especially once Maverick reinforces the lesson he wanted Rooster to learn. Don't think, just fly. The bombing run is a success, and the terrifying training that included a near-fatal accident pulls off two miracles, seemingly via the power of Maverick's belief and guidance. And you'll probably notice that as they climb out of the mountain base into the teeth of the SAM missile sites, sorry, the SAM sites, and the planes hit incredible speed during their climb, we see what it is. 10 point. 10.3 cheese. The same speed Maverick was told not to hit on that first mission. Turns out that experience is exactly what this group needed, including Maverick. From there on out, hard military logic is thrown out the door in favor of emotion and instincts. Rooster flies back and gets shot down to save Maverick, who got shot down to save him. Then Maverick and Rooster pull off an impossible takeoff in an old plane and fight off technically superior fighters using their instincts. In essence, Maverick was always right, and gets to fly into the sunset, complete with the girl who got away. In the movie, this is a nice western-style send-off to for a celebrated hero, but the lesson the audience should take away is clear. Tom Cruise doesn't need to stop or play it safe. You might think he's crazy, but ultimately, he's right. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, with the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.